Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Kingdom Voices Revealed. This is a podcast series where our heart is to impart, reveal, and help you discover how to activate your kingdom voice, identity, gifts, and callings. New episodes will be released every Friday. Hello, hello, hello. Well, welcome, welcome back to the podcast, Kingdom Voices Revealed. Today will be the second episode, and my name's EJ. I'll be your host. And today we'll be continuing in on our exciting new series, Kingdom Voices Revealed. I want to talk about our whole thing of like our identity in heaven. So the dimensions of our identity, if you will. We have an identity, and when we discover that, we discover what heals us in our inner man. So we all need inner healing from when we get delivered, but we also need to come into alignment with our true identities. And so we need to get healed and we need to let God transform us and renew our minds. So renew our minds into who we are in our spirit. And that's from there is where the anointing flows, right? So like from us, you know, we are like to be a temple of the living God. And so from there is the river of that revelation is supposed to flow from there. You know, out of the belly will flow rivers of living water. So what I want to talk about right now is this whole thing of our tribal paradigm, if you will, our kingdom tribal paradigm. And I get the sense I'm going to be talking about this a lot in this season. God has really been giving me this sense as I've been continuing to meditate on this aspect of the word of God. So I want to dig into this and I want us to get revelation from this. I want people to get this. We very much have a DNA in our core of our being. And so here's the, one of the things I have run into in dealing with identity in Christ. What shuts a lot of people down, and myself included in the past, is the fact that it's frustrating when we deal with the scriptures and we mass produce them as formulas for everyone. People start to think, wow, so that must mean that there's nothing unique about me. Like, I'm just the same as everyone else, and so everyone needs to have the same truth, and we're all basically one giant being. Well, that is true because we're all the bride of Christ, but I see the frustration, and the, the frustration is the issue of the fact that people think that, you know, this mustn't apply to me because I know I'm unique and different. So I want to address that. And basically, what we have to understand is ultimately the direction in which we're going is the likeness of Christ. So inevitably, we are all supposed to come into his likeness, but at the same time, the Bible also describes that we're one body of many parts. So we all have different, we know that, and we have different spiritual gifts. And with different spiritual gifts, we hold different revelation. We hold different ways that God will manifest in each of us, different anointings, and they flow from different testimonies. So we all have differences and we have common similarities. So the paradigm I'm going to be focusing on right now is talking about the tribes of Israel and the paradigm. Now, what's interesting is when you look at the tribes of Israel, there are, we say there's 12 tribes, but technically there's 13. If you break down Joseph's lineage into two, then you get 13 of them. Now, the other reason why we don't count them as 13 is because one of the tribes was cursed, which is the tribe of Dan, and eventually they pretty much dwindled off and died. Some think that some of the remnants of the tribe of Dan found their way into Ethiopia, I think, and so there's been some Ethiopian Jews who it's said they descend from the tribe of Dan. But a lot of it has dwindled out. So there's all the different tribes. So I'll just list off what they are. So the tribes that we have, the original tribes, okay, was Zebulun, Issachar, Judah, Gad, Simeon, Reuben, Benjamin, Manasseh, Ephraim, Naphtali, Asher, and Dan. 
So Dan completely opted out eventually. They lost everything they had. And so the two half tribes, which came from Joseph, became two tribes. Now, eventually, we know that the kingdom of Israel split. And so there were, I'm not sure if I'm going to get that number right, but some, I think I've heard some suggest it was 10 of them. It's either 10 or 9 that were in, that, in the northern kingdom. During this time when they split, all of Levi left the northern kingdom and migrated to Judah because they wanted to uphold what they believed in, and Israel wouldn't do that because they denounced what they believed in. But so all the other ones, they dwindled when they were captured and wiped out by Assyria. Eventually, many of them found their way in Europe. And so many of those tribes today are now fragments that remain from them, but are not necessarily actual existing tribes. In Judah, they continued on. So what continued was, some say it's two, it's actually three tribes. So Judah remained was Judah, Benjamin, and Levi, to my knowledge. Now Benjamin, they lived outside of Jerusalem to the north of it. And then you had Judah and Levi were the most together. And so when everything was rebuilt in Judah, which later became Judea by the Romans, they remained in that, those three were the ones that remained in that region mostly. Were there other people? Yes. And in fact, like, uh, I think it was Anna who waited to, to meet Christ, came from um, the tribe of Asher, I believe. And there were others who you kind of continued on you know, from these old tribes, but it, they just were never unified again. They were never together. Now, when Christ came in the scene, if you actually look at all the 12 disciples, some people think they're all from each tribe. No, they weren't. In fact, most of the tribes, or a large majority of them, were from the tribe of Judah, not just Christ, not just Jesus. Peter was from the tribe of Judah, for example. And even, and get this, even Judas was of Judah. And, and what's interesting about that is because people say, you know, think, oh, you know, some people thought, oh, maybe he's the tribe of Dan because he was such a traitor. But in fact, if you look, he's from Judah. So very interesting. Jesus, he actually, now he descends from Judah, but something, oh, is he also from Levi? Well, sort of there, his mother, so Mary, earthly mother, she did have in her lineage Levi in it too. And that's why John the Baptist, he's son to Zechariah. So I don't know if I got this exactly correct, but he was of Levi to my knowledge. I, I think I got that right. I could have got it is that it was Elizabeth that was of Levi. One of them did have Levi in them. So there, what's interesting about that is we can see a lineage to Jesus of both Judah and Levi, but mostly Judah. And so you look at the tribes where they descended. It's very interesting. Benjamin remained on the scene. And in fact, the Apostle Paul traces back to the tribe of Benjamin. Uh, you can very much see a pattern in his ancestry as well. Now, all that to say, some may be saying, some might think, well, but we're not supposed to get into myths and genealogies. And I would say, yeah, I would say that we're talking about biblical things here. But if we were to take this and make this our main focus and we were to overemphasize, then maybe that might be a problem. I don't believe it's necessarily wrong when we trace even our roots that it's wrong in itself. It's just when that becomes our focus and what we worship, you know, we can have a slight focus on it, but not to where it takes away from it. But going back to the issue of identity, so why does that matter then? Well, it does matter because what we want is the truth about identity and the truth about where what we stem to. And we don't want to bring our identity into the likeness of the world, but the likeness of what God has designed. And so you might be thinking, well, why does this correlate to us? And so I'm going to get into that. Um, just to say back to the issue of the thing about genealogies to me, what that speaks the most of is things like astrology and things like, there's a number of 
like when it said it said genealogies and controversies that scripture so to me we're talking of things like astrology and things like these personality tests and things like that to me it speaks of that things that we become almost superstitious over this but in the case of what is actually written biblically we can really see a structure that helps us to understand the uniquenesses and the similarities within the core of our identity so we get to the core we get to christ so in that way, in that respect, we have to go back to there's 12 slash 13 in some context of the tribes, okay? Now, we know that one that is completely cursed and 10 tribes in which were nine or 10, they were lost. Now, we know that there was three tribes which remained, all right? Now, our identity ultimately comes back to Christ. So that means that when we look at Judah, we can see an imprint of the nature and the destiny, the kingdom blueprint, if you will, the kingdom plan, the kingdom destiny, the DNA of the tribe of Judah. And what I believe that this speaks of is that as we're the bride of Christ, we're to come into his likeness. So we're meant to engraft ourselves into who he is as Judah. And I guess some aspects of Levi, but what we see is with the new covenant, we're to come into alignment with Judah more than anything because Levi, in a way, speaks of the old covenant. So this is how we can break them down and understand them. So where does Benjamin come into all that? Well, Benjamin to me speaks of a reflection of who he is it's again it's like an echo it's there it's part of it you know and i think that in a way benjamin speaks of the loyalty towards the king who is the king who is not the king as you know saul came from benjamin and interesting enough the apostle paul who was also called saul came from benjamin and it speaks of when we look at the journey of the apostle paul we see this journey of taking ourselves out of the likeness of man's idea of who is king and man's idea of who is enthroned and bring ourselves into the likeness of Christ, putting our zeal towards the kingdom and alignment with that, going from Saul to Paul, is everything. And it speaks of this beautiful transformation into being the bride of Christ. And who better than Paul because he also spoke of being one body but many parts. And he had so much to say about we are a new creation in Christ. So we learn so much from the core of our identity in Christ from what Paul says. So all this to say, this is going back to our identity. So now what I want to talk about is with all the tribes, I want to talk about this issue of their struggles. Because if you look at all the tribes, most of the tribes really reflect that of a struggle and a journey that all of them are on. And so when we look at the other ones, we can find the uniqueness of the body within each tribe. We can find unique destinies, unique purposes, and it helps us to understand a framework, if you will, of where all the body of Christ is. There you will see that there is one that was cursed. So there are those who fall away and don't remain. And you see those who are lost. And then you see others who hold on to the blessing and they flourish and thrive and they continue to grow. And they come into a very closeness, if you will, to who God is. You can see attributes reflected in some of the more blessed tribes. And you can see that some of them actually and keep with that idea. I think this helps us to understand too, like where some Christians are who don't remain within the fivefold. Because uh, I've had that discussion before talking about the fivefold ministries and how there's different ones for everybody. But what some people have said is, well, not all of us are in the body. Like not all of us have a calling in the body. So what that means is that not all of us will fulfill a call of ministry. 
So where does that fit? Where does that place those people? And I would say then you would look back at those tribes and then you would ask yourself, so which tribe are you of? Tribes also speak of the fact that there are those in the body who are very closely in terms of their calling and the types of things they do in ministry. Tribes helps to speak of our focuses and how some we may have slightly different wirings and different focuses. So the gifts and calls are irrevocable, but the struggles of each tribe really speaks of an identity issue that everyone goes through. Those who have a stronger identity, they flourish and thrive. So I want to talk a bit about that. I'm not going to go into this time on the details of each tribe. I might pull from examples, but here's what I want to say is basically, so with each tribe, there were blessings handed down to them through Jacob and also through Moses. And then there were also, at the time anyway, this is within Old Testament time, they all had certain, some say they had curses. Well, I'd say what it is, is they had, if you have a clarity, it's more like, the prophetic destiny was very honest about their situation. So there was a prophecy released, and what it is is it has both the blessing and then the struggles. But some would say it's a curse. And then so, I don't know, we have to go back to if it said curse. But at the end of the day, we know that it all ends up back to the cross. There's nothing beyond that in terms of people within God's mandate or the Bible, like witches may try to continue that, but it all comes back to what happens at the atonement. So either way, what it speaks of, if you want to call it a curse that Jacob gave them, is that it basically it proclaims, it foreshadows where their struggle is. And someone would say, well, but that puts a curse on them, puts a work. Yeah, so again, that's what happened. That was put over them and over their destinies, but that's not ultimately the destiny of them. But I mean, obviously many of them became lost, so interesting enough. But I think it speaks of their strengths and their weaknesses. And then someone would say, well, why would I want to identify with people who were under that? And I would say, well, to me, I think it more speaks of God's wisdom for what your struggle is. What do you need to learn? It doesn't mean you have to share in their fate and their destiny, but it means you need to apply the wisdom that they would give them. It's a way to understand your boundary lines. The Bible speaks, if you will, if you look at Joshua says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So the house we know was there was houses or families, there was houses, there was clans, there was tribes. And so he says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Choose for this day whom you will serve. We can see this again. David says, my boundary lines have fallen in pleasant places. So this is important for us because it tells us what is our focus? What is our struggle? What is the things that we need to hold dear as the Lord's wisdom for our life? How do we need to humble ourselves and recognize who we are and who we're not? So we are all meant to be the bride in, that's adopted into the tribe of Judah, you know, but we are all meant to carry something distinguishable and unique. So back to each of these tribes, they all had a struggle, if you will. That's what we translate the curses or whatever you want to call them. They all had a struggle, but they all had a blessing too. Well, most of them, not all of them had blessings from both Jacob and Moses, but they all had a, some of them Joseph gave blessings. Some of them also had Davidic blessings from David. And I think if anything, when David spoke on to those things, we see a new covenant foreshadowing there. We see something messianic over them. So look for the messianic destiny, you know, the tribe of Judah destiny engrafted into those tribes. And you will see a closeness to God through them. And so there are some of them that had that. Some of them David blessed because some of those tribes served David. And so that's what we have to look at. Yes, yeah, so some carry more blessings than others for sure. So we want to go back to the fact 
What is my DNA? Who am I and what is my struggle? Where do I come from? You know, maybe it's like for you, your struggle is not necessarily where you're going. Can God change your DNA? Yeah, he can. And in the book of Revelation, it talks about that to one of the churches, it actually speaks of that God will give a white stone and a new name. And every tribe carried a stone. Every tribe had a name for themselves. So when God says, I will give you white stone and a new name, what I feel is God is, is talking about. In that passage, it says, who he overcomes. I get that basically we all come from something. But where are we all going doesn't necessarily mean that we'll remain in that situation. If our destiny has more curse than blessing, then God can change that for us. And we can see that. We can see that for sure. What's interesting is how the tribe of Levi was engrafted into the tribe of Judah in Jesus' lineage. In fact, probably somewhere in his lineage, many tribes, if not all of them, were at some point, right? But I believe it speaks of the fact that, yeah, again, we all come from somewhere, but where we're all going, it can change, right? And so that's the thing. And Paul knew that full well, being of the tribe of Benjamin originally in his ancestry, but he knew that ultimately he was called to the likeness of Christ. He's a new creation in Christ. So when we are a new creation, that means we do away with the old, and that means we come into the likeness of him. But I like to explain it this way that, you know, in our identity of Christ, if you want to know your uniqueness, it could look like you're all married into Judah, but you're all uniquely carrying a banner of another name. And so it's important to know, if you want to know how you're unique, find out what is your tribe. Find out what your gifting is, your calling. So the paradigms, if you will. Okay, look at your tribe. That's how you can see your DNA and your identity and who you belong to and your context and who you're, the people you're meant to look for who are like you. If you want, and because each tribe had a symbol that represented them, each one of them had a struggle. Each of them had their own stone, their own color, their own name. They had prophetic meanings behind them. Each of them had a prophetic DNA. Each of them had a voice. But then within that, you can also ask yourself in the New Testament, be asking yourself, what is of the nine gifts of the manifestations of the Holy Spirit? What do I carry? Of that, what are the motivational gifts of Romans 12? Which motivational gift am I wired with? Out of the fivefold, which fivefold is my ministry, my calling? You can ask yourself that. Out of Isaiah 11, which is the sevenfold spirits, do I tend to see God moving the most around me that moves me towards Him? All of this to say, we all reflect different aspects of Christ. And so we need to ask ourselves, is my life that I'm living now reflecting that? Or is it reflecting that which is lost or which is cursed? Is it being redeemed into Christ? Or is God wanting to change me into his likeness and give me a new name and a new stone, so to speak? If so, then that means that I am someone else in heaven. You have to ask yourself, where my spirit is seated in heavenly places, who am I there? Because in heaven, you know what you're going to find? It says there's 24 elders Guess what? Every elder reflects that of each tribe, each tongue, each language. It reflects the tribes that what are in heaven, which surround the line of Judah. Each of them reflects the tribes, and that there would be two for each tribe. Interesting. Each one reflects that of a uniqueness surrounding the throne. Each one has within, each one of those has there, holds a prophetic destiny. Each one has, I believe that when we're there, what we'll see is each one is adorned with different colors and different gifts, if you will. The Bible speaks of the crown of life that will be given to those who suffer for Christ's name. And the crown speaks of our gifts. 
and the reflection of his glory within us, the anointings, the giftings, the destinies that God gives us. Each crown has a different diadem, a different stone. Each one has a different jewel within them because God speaks of rewards. As we endure for his name, we will receive different rewards. And so everyone is carrying different rewards in heaven, different crowns, different stones on those crowns. And everyone has different, it's like they have little smaller thrones surrounding the great throne of Christ. And What's interesting is when we speak of even the colors on the throne that Christ sits on, it's emerald, which represents one of the stones. If you read about the passages of who he is there on the throne, it speaks of, I believe in Ezekiel 1, and it speaks again of in Revelation, the writers spoke of that they would behold that shining like a jasper or like a sardius and on a throne like emerald. Why is this so important? Because again, it reflects the unique attributes of God. And part of the humility that God gives his bride is that each one carries something different, but together they shine and represent the glory that it reflects the image of Christ. And so I believe this is why we go back to even the mark of Christ. It speaks of him beholding him and his glory and the Holy Spirit within the life of the believer, contrary to the mark of the beast, which reflects the image of the beast. So the image of Christ, look, it's glorious. It's amazing. There's a glorious transfiguration, if you will, that is going to come upon every believer who gets transformed into the likeness of Christ. One day they will be transfigured into who they really are in their spirits. And it will be a wonderful thing. And so even in our spiritual realm paradigm, this is who we are. We're seated in heavenly places. So what do you look like? What do you look like in that place? I challenge you to go back and ask God, what do I look like in that place, in that heavenly place? That's where my identity is. What do I look like on my throne if I had a throne? And it's not blasphemous because, again, you have a little throne, a place, because it says you're adopted in. Listen, you're, I want to tell you, you're adopted in. You're a son and a co-heir because of what Christ has done. So in heaven, you're already seated there and you'll say, well, but we're all filthy rags. We're all sinners. You were a filthy rag without Christ. But when you're born again, it says you're a new creation in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. I challenge you to think along these lines in this paradigm that you have been, you've been reconciled and transformed into that likeness of Christ. You've been adopted in. You have become, it says, he who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. So in heaven, we carry and reflect that. Is it possible to forsake the crown? Yeah, but I'm not going to get into that right now. I'll just say the thing is, don't test God in that. Reflect on who you are as adopted into him. Because there, I believe your spirit's there. And God has rewards, you know, as you endure for his name and as you do great exploits for his name. But it doesn't change your salvation. You could be saved. You could be saved just by escaping flames. But I challenge you to so much more that for those who suffer for his name, those who endure for his name, will reap a crown of life for their sufferings. They will receive a reward. And that's the truth about who you are. And so, again, the thing is, there's a tribal paradigm. You have to ask yourself, which tribe do I belong to? And which tribe do I not belong to? Where did I come from and where am I going? And this will help you understand where you belong, where you fit in. If you're feeling lost today, reflect on your identity. It's so much more than what you think. God's truth, his revelation and his word about these things is like 
it multiplies, it's unfolding, it's, there's so much depth within it. I mean, we have to come out of our Greek thinking, our paradigm of Greek thinking, which means where we think in terms of like linear thoughts. I mean, Hebraic thinking has depth to it. And in the kingdom thinking, we need depth in our thinking. We need to understand the depths of who we are. I guarantee you. So I'm going to tell you before I go, here is the criteria of which you need to think of who you are in Christ. Some people get lost in their gifts. And of course, we know if they get lost in that, they can take almost too much identity and focus into a gift. A gift is irrevocable for sure, but it's more than a gift. Be more than your gift because you might not always do that. Because the thing is, spiritual gifts, I believe their level of manifestation changes depending on what your assignment is. So what we have to come back to is where we're ultimately all going, okay? We know we're ultimately all engrafted into the tribe of Judah, but we are all unique. So we all reflect a unique tribe. We all behold God differently between the different sevenfold spirit of God. So the spirit of the Lord, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might, the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of revelation, the spirit of understanding, the spirit of the fear of the Lord. We all behold his power and manifestation differently, but together we will all see all of them. We all have a unique motivational gifting, as it says in Romans. There is some giving, there's administration. I'm not going to list all of them. There's giving administration, there's mercy, there's a number. Of, so we'll all be wired to different issues differently. Then in the criteria in 1 Corinthians, talking about the gifts of the Spirit there, is talking about when it manifests within us, we all manifest differently. And so some of us, we get knowledge and some get healing and some experience miracles and some experience the gift of faith, some experience different things. And Paul says, regardless of your gifts, you all should prophesy and speak in tongues, but all have different ones that they tend to manifest more. I'm not in favor of any gift test that would mix all these gifts together. If you do them, you should do tests that separate each criteria because they're different contexts. And God's word works in context. But some of these tests, what they're doing is they're taking this out of context. It's good to know, but if you were doing these tests, you have to understand they're going to come under a wrong criteria, and then you might not get the exact answers correct. Ultimately, we need the Lord to show us these things in, our, in Revelation, but I believe that ultimately they're different contexts. So the context of the manifestations of the gifts of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12 speaks of the fact that we all will experience the Holy Spirit manifest in our lives slightly uniquely, and but we will all be used in our ministry according to those gifts. In Ephesians speaks of the, the fivefold ministry, which is of the different offices that we all aim towards within the body of Christ. If you have a focus and someone tells you what your focus is wrong, it may not be wrong because you might just have a different calling. And often some of them will clash when you see the pastoral doesn't understand the evangelist and the evangelist and the pastoral don't understand the prophet. We have to understand each calling is unique if you have a clear calling to ministry, but they all different. And according to each of those ones, you'll have different motivations and manifestations of the Holy Spirit too, depending on what is your main setting and your main calling. There are five of them and they're all unique. So depending on what your testimony is will determine which you release, which is why I encourage different believers to go to different people on different issues, you know. So that's what I'd say about that. Now, all that to say, everyone carries something unique. We need to meditate on who we are in heaven and who we are. And you will see, this is how you want to know how you're unique. Look at all these things. But we're all unique in heaven. We are all new creation. We all have the same things in common, which is Christ, is the tribe of Judah, is the destiny of and the mandate that he has for us to, to bring his kingdom, to bring the kingdom of Judah to the earth. 
We are all on that journey towards that and the likeness of that, but we all come from something and we all have a struggle and we all have to be honest about our limitations and being careful to not pull ourselves in different directions because we're not Christ. We should instead appreciate the attributes of others and we should identify to a degree, but we should all only do that because we're all in agreement about Christ and his mandate. And so we don't shut out the other gifts and we don't say, yeah, well, because I'm not that, I don't need you. No, you need all of them. But we also need to know who we are unique in Christ. And that will show us where we're going. We need to be humble and true about that. Oh, I might not have as much of a heart for the lost as the evangelist does. Or like my tribal position, if you will, may not have as much of a focus on as much because I have a heart to get into worshiping the Lord and, or I have a heart to get into getting away in prayer and really focusing on praying, interceding. That's great. But then you still have to embrace those whom you're not as much. But you can also recognize through that your boundaries and your limitations of what you can and can't do. In the end of the day, we embrace the whole mandate. But we also recognize that maybe we all have slightly different focuses. And that's okay. We don't need to shut out others because they have something slightly different than us. We just need to see it for what it is. So this is my encouragement and this is my word in this. And so I want people to live out of this and then to understand that. So this is an intro. I'll be breaking this down into smaller bits. But this is what I want people to understand. If they want to find their voice, they need to find out their tribe and who they belong to. And if they want to find out their tribe, they need to understand the unique mandates God has given their life that's different from others. And also their struggles and what they need to overcome uniquely different than others. Pride is when we assume something over ourselves that's not us, that we can just do it all and we don't need others. Pride divides. We need to come in a place of unity and it looks like this. It's not every belief or anything like that. It's just every tribe, every, there's many of them. So we need to come into that place and understand who are we unique in his image, but then also who we are in the grand scheme of things. We are all Judah in the grand scheme of things. We all reflect attributes of that of Levi and can relate to Benjamin, but we all have something unique to offer too. So that's my challenge is we all come into that place of asking, how are we unique? What are we like in the heavenly places? Because it's there. I am a new creation in Christ. I am seated in heavenly places, adopted in into Christ. But then, this is what's amazing. is It says, it's the glory of the Lord to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings to search out a matter. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords, the priest of priests. He's the greatest. He's sovereign above all. But we are adopted in to become a kingdom of priests to our God, to become co-heirs and kings, kings and queens to our God, like little kings and little queens. And no, I'm not taking that to that little God's theology. I think that's twisted. But we are like little kings and little queens because we've been engrafted into it. We've been brought into that. And so you can ask yourself, what am I like in my spirit? Because that's where you're going to see yourself as that. You need that paradigm and you need to understand this is your identity. And when you see that, you'll understand, oh, it's the glory of kings to search out a matter. Concealed matters, mysteries of God is revealed to those to those whom behold that identity. What a touching thing that God will reveal it to someone like me. I can actually find that mystery. I can discover it. Oh, and that's because of who I am. And when you do, it will move your heart to know that. Revelation is very touching. Meditation on your position changes your condition. And as you continue to meditate on who you are, it will change your circumstances, I guarantee it. And because then you'll see, oh wait, I'm actually there. 
And this is what I actually look like. This is who I actually am. Your condition in this world, if you focus on that, will bring you down. But if you focus on what you are in the heavenly places, it will change atmospheres because you see yourself for who you really are. And the glory of the Lord reflects through you into other people. It did for even for Moses. When he came down from that mountain, after being with him, his face shone. He had to cover his face with a veil because of the glory that was reflected through it. And we see that again, the mountain of transfiguration with Christ on the mountain, that there were those who were next to him. There was Moses and Elijah there in their transfigured state. So behold yourself, who you are in heavenly places. It will change you. It will heal you in your inner man. And it will increase your understanding, your authority in Christ. So you can overcome so many obstacles. And it will transform those around you because you'll be changing the atmosphere. I can't think of times in which I was really, really beholding this revelation. And I'd be in a place of worship. And I noticed people around me were getting touched. I'm nothing without that. But with that, it changes everything. I could see people were getting really touched by the presence of God and it was just coming through me and all I was is reflecting on revelation of who I am in the heavenlies. Guys, this is what we got to do. We got to come back to that. You want to find your voice? You want to find your calling? You want to find your destiny? Start focusing on this. You will find it. I guarantee it for every one of you. Every one of you. God is good. He says, Jeremiah 29:11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Your current circumstance is not where you ultimately are. It's just where your physical self is, where your carnal state is. And Jeremiah 1 says, For Jeremiah, God said, Behold, I have ordained you as a prophet to the nations. Before I formed you in the womb, I foreknew you. I foreknew you. I knew you and sanctified you. I guarantee you every one of you has a story in your life too. Not Maybe not exactly that one, but every one of you has one. What is your story? What is your revelation? What was the transformation in your life that came from it? That's where you ultimately need to return to. And that's where, if you do, you will also ultimately go in the direction towards God. Find out how you're unique in heaven, in your heavenly place, and find out whom you belong to. It's a wonderful paradigm. It really is. All right. Well, that's all I want to say right now and all I have time for. But we'll continue on this subject. And blessings to all those who end up listening to this. You're in wonderful love. And I look forward to sharing with you more in the future. If you have anything you want to say about this and you want to, you can private message, send me a message or share with me in any of the communities that I oversee in which I share this because I'd love to hear. What's your story and what do you think of everything I'm saying? But yeah, blessings to all of you and we'll continue this in the future.